Boy, it's good to be here tonight, and I mean that with sincerity. I am so thankful, uh, thrilled, uh, and I mean that. I look forward to it, and David called me. I said, man, I, I, I'm going to tell you a few reasons why. Now, you'll just have to bear with me. Uh, I like coming over here and have a little freedom, okay? And, and also, come over here, see, I can pretty much say whatever I want to, and then I'm leaving, and David has to cover for it. And so, you know, uh, it's, it's a pretty cool place to be when you're able to do that. And, uh, 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 you know, being honest, now listen, I, I was able to go this week to a uh, pastor's conference, and, um, and so uh, while I was there, uh, you know, just learned a lot of, uh, I, I would say, uh, real encouragement, but at the same time, a lot of heaviness. Okay, there's just, uh, there's just a lot going on spiritually in our nation, and, and some of it's very encouraging, and some of it's just really, uh, man, we need revival. I mean, that's just, a, we need to move of God, and, and, and of course, you know, it's going to happen in here. Uh, we can't expect it to happen out there, and, and, I, and I know sometimes we really get that kind of uh, messed up, and, and, and we think that it's going to happen maybe through Congress, maybe through the schools, maybe through, but it's got to be right here, and then it's got to leave here and go out there. And, and, and I'm not trying to preach at you. I'm, I'm excited. I, I am excited about what God's doing. I'm also, you know, like I said, very burdened. Um, and uh, so we hope tonight to uh, encourage you. Let me just give you a few. I hate to do this. I'm a numbers guy. I am a numbers guy. I love statistics, and I hate statistics, okay? I just want you to know that. That's what it is, okay? Some of the things. But, but, but you, I think we need to be aware of what's going on, not to be discouraged, but to be uh, earnest in what we're supposed to be doing. And uh, so I'm, I'm going to kind of, they call this, by the way, here, I've got to step out here for a minute. My wife told me to tuck in my inner tube. She said it was a distraction. So I just want to make sure right now that my inner tube's tucked in, and only some of it won't go in. I want you to know. So if it's a distraction, you blame her. She distracted me with it. You're supposed to do, uh, I think they call it a sandwich method. You know, you do something like a piece of bread, and then something... She told me that's why you're supposed to, like, talk to people. You know, you give them something sweet, and then you just drop a bomb on them, and you give them something sweet. I don't know that I'm able to do that, all right? That's what you know. Uh, so I'm just going to drop a bomb on you to start with, and then, then go to the Word of God and be reminded of, how, of who you are in Christ. And, and, and let me just, you know, this is for me tonight. I mean, this is for me. Listen, pastors go through seasons of warfare. Christians go through seasons of warfare. And if you're not going through the warfare, that means you're sitting on the sidelines. That means you're a draft dodger. Okay, If you're going to be in the battle, you're going to be going through periods of warfare. And if you're going through periods of warfare, you're going to get wounded. Okay, You're going to get shot at. You're going to get shot up. You're going to just, everything's going to happen. And I, <clears throat> right now, in, in our spiritual walk, where we are and what's going on, I tell this to David. I call him about every Monday. He's like, all right, David, how you doing, man? And then I just drop a bomb on him. It's like, <sighs> and I just... Let it go. Uh, I want you to know, um, our churches around us, many of them are very seriously struggling. And, uh, you know, we've, uh, it's, it's up to you, it's up to me to, to pray for them and to stand and to help deliver them from the clutches of the enemy. Now, we can't do that, but we know the Savior who can. And we serve Him. And it's our job to be at, at war, if you will, on behalf of those who may not be able to do so. And you know what, you guys, I'm just going to tell you, you guys need to pray for us. We're in one of those places right now where it's a warfare. And I'm just being honest, I, I, I say it where I'm at. I, I'm not saying something here that I won't say there. We need the Lord to move in a serious way. And, and, and the bottom line is this. Bottom line is this. They've allowed sin. 
to become so normal in the church that when you point it out, they get mad. Now look, it's been me. Till some preacher that I just wanted to stomp for a few minutes, preach the Word of God, and God got a hold of my heart and broke it, and I got things right with Him. And that's what it takes, is just the Word of God to break our hearts, and so we get revved up, revved up in Him. So, so we've been going through some, I mean, it's just, you know, I, and I know what spiritual warfare is. I mean, I, I do, okay? And uh, so there's a lot of things that just sometimes the devil just so... As I was just praying about tonight, the Lord said, hey, just go to this passage. So I'm, I'm telling you that because it may be for me more than for you. So just travel with me. Just travel with me. And uh, maybe we can enjoy it together. Uh, in our country right now, in our country, and you just, you're going to have to follow this. And, and I've said this, I've read these before, but this is just shocking. So just stir us to prayer, break our hearts. 4,000 churches close their doors every single year. Of the 250,000 Protestant evangelical churches, which is churches who are similar to yours, evangelical is supposed to mean that Jesus is the only way. Okay? That's supposed to mean. Now, there are going to be some differences there, but you know it. 200,000 are either stagnant, no growth, or they're going down here. Um. Less, there is less than half the number of churches today than there were a hundred years ago. Now, now, now take that. We, we've got people right now around us that we started, now, even the Southern Baptist, we started, you know, uh, 600 churches last year, Southern Baptist, 600 churches last year. We lost 900. Uh, now, I, I'm, I, don't, I don't believe in waving the white flag, okay? I just want you to know that, not in any way, shape, or form, but I do think it needs to shape the way that we pray and shape the way that we work. 3,500 people leaving the church every single day. Many of them are what age? Thank God you got them here. You got some here. But many of them are in that age from 20 to 40 years. Um, since 1950, there's a third fewer churches in the United States. Now, I, I, I'm telling you that just simply to point out, and you know this, and I don't want to be doom and gloom, so I dropped the bomb to start with, so I want to, we're going to dig out of the hole now. That may be the hardest thing to do that you can do. But, but I, I want you to know something. This is my, my heart. I carry those numbers with me every single day. Because I love, I love Jesus' church. Now you hear me for just a minute. I love, I love God's people. I'm thankful to be here tonight. And, and I love the church of Christ. That's the bride. And when we talk bad about the church, we're talking about Christ's bride. And, and I'm just going to tell you something. You talk bad about my bride, and I might agree with you. But no, no I probably won't. I, I'm going to get upset. Okay, I, I mean, I, I I got so upset the other day that I I I, def, I went to defending her. She took it wrong and she got in a fight with me, and I was taken up for. Her. We well, I told the church well, we got in a fight over the same. We was arguing over the same point, and I was taken up for, her, and she was taken up for, her, and we really. I'll, I'll just tell you right now, if somebody had been against us, they'd been in trouble. I, I, you, you know, we was fighting for each other. Uh, and we don't want to talk bad about the Lord Jesus Church, and we're not. But we need to be aware that that our enemy is coming against us. And sometimes we feel that. And sometimes we're... Well, I, the singing was such a blessing to me. Sometimes it just seems like the battle is raging and it's so difficult. Uh, but boy, we, we are... Uh,
Let me, let me just let the Word of God remind you. I want to let the Word of God remind me of who we are in Christ so that we can just uh, have life uh, that's more abundant. John 10, 10. If you would take your Bibles and, and turn to Romans uh, chapter 8. Why don't you turn to Romans uh, chapter 8. And, and we're going to begin in verse 31. And, uh, and the Lord just led this passage of Scripture to my heart because many years ago, I don't know if you've, any of you have ever heard of a man by the name Bill Stafford. He was a preacher years ago, and they called him Wild Bill Stafford. And he had a national pulpit. He got to go in all kinds of places, and he was a little on the wild side. Now, kind of like David, okay, just a little on the wild side. Uh, he wore cowboy boots, big old tall feller, and he would be in these pulpits where people were really uh, educated, and, and thank God for them now. And then he'd just show up and just blow things all to pieces, okay? I was at a real hard season in my life, really beat up by Satan. I don't know if you've ever been there or not, but I'm just telling you, I was, and it was my fault, okay? I hadn't been living the way I need to be living. And, and I was in a beat-up place, and I went to a meeting and heard Wild Bill Stafford preach this passage. Now, I don't remember anything he said, but I remember this scripture. And it so encouraged me that it, it, re, it revved me up, okay? It revived me. And revival always, it's got to take two or three different forms to always go to the same purpose, okay? It's going to uplift Jesus. Revival is always going to uplift and honor Jesus. It's always going to esteem the Word of God. And so when the revival actually really truly happens, when all is said and done, Jesus is lifted up. And, and, because Je- and, and in your life, Jesus being lifted up, then sin is exposed, dealt with, and done away with. Okay? So and when that happened, it happened in my life. And so it's got to take brokenness, Brokenness over sin, and then excitement over Christ. And I, and I don't know where you're at in that stage, but uh, man, I, I just sometimes I need a little excitement over Christ. I really, truly do. I've got to have it. And 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 boy, I don't know if he'll speak to you like it did to me, but I hope it does. Romans eight, uh, if you will, look in verse thirty-one. Uh, the Bible says this: What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us. He that spareth not his own son, but delivered him up for us, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is, a, it is God that justifies. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, uh, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's bow our heads. Father God, your word, you speak. Your word, you speak. <laughs> Father God, we pray that you'd increase, we'd decrease. God, I, and I just pray that, that, Lord, you give us freedom tonight to worship you. And we're not looking, I'm not looking, at, Lord, for you to do any, it's your business, God. You just move how you need to move, God. You move in the heart just how you need to. And Father, I just praise you, and I thank you that you give us voice to honor you. <laughs> Father God, help us to use it in every way that we can for your glory and your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I think we need to be reminded sometimes, and I'm not making fun. Now, 
you guys will see this a lot more than me. Uh, there's one of those, uh, uh, I believe his name is Phil Robertson. Some of you uh, have a poster of him on your wall. He's your hero, right? Yeah. Big old beard. What's his statement now? You, you know this. You can help me for this minute. I, now, I get my church every now and then. We're not up, sold up like possums to talk to me, okay? We like to, we dialogue back and forth. So I said, okay, so what's his statement? Uh, somebody, no, okay, there you go. We've got one man or woman in here. I'm not sure this is echo. I didn't hear it clearly. Would you say that louder? Happy, happy, happy. You know, you guys kind of need to, when you say that, there needs to be a little bit of a smile. Some of you actually almost broke out into one, but then you was afraid it was a sin, I guess. We'll have to confess. Happy, happy. Now, if that's the truth, why, did I, why does it take so much to pull a smile out of you? <laughs> and I'm not picking at you. Uh, and I know I did drop a bomb on you to start with, but, but listen to me. No matter what's going on in our world, and no matter what's going on even in our churches, and no matter what's going on even in this church, no matter what's going on in your life, it is, it is the, uh, it's not the obligation or responsibility. It's the privilege of the Christian to be able to live. In, and I don't mean it in any way fun of him. You know, happy, happy, happy. You know, kind of. Man, I'm just going to tell you right now. Jesus said that he come that we might have life and might have it more abundantly. I mean, that, that's a life that's overflowing. I mean, full and, and running over. And, and, and that's not just a fake thing. It's not just a false thing. It's not, thank you, brother. It, it's not something that's uh, put on. It's got to be something that's actually coming from the inside out because of who you are in Christ. And Romans chapter 8, verses 31 uh, through 39 is a passage of Scripture that God has just blessed my heart with over and over and over and over again because of the warfare, and because of the situation that we find ourselves in. And I pray that when we get through with this, you take this passage, and you internalize it, you take it out the door, and maybe when you're laying on your bed sometime, two or three years down the road, you're going to be thinking of these three who questions. This is one of the few times in Scripture where there's a question, answer, question, answer, question, answer. And the answers are so awesome that it cannot help but leave you uh, changed for the better, revved up. If you will. Look at the first question, if you will. The Bible says this in verse 31. What shall we say to these things? Now, you've got to stop for just a second, okay? These things really are dealt with later in this passage. They're also dealt with before this. These things refer to all the things of life. Uh, these things refer to persecutions. Uh, these things also refer to the Scripture before this from Romans uh, chapter 1 to Romans chapter 8. It refers to... Uh, to sin, it refers to, to just, uh, a matter of fact, in Romans chapter 6 and Romans chapter 7, Paul deals with personal sin. He says, man, I do the things I don't want to do, and I don't do the things I want to do. Who can save me from my sin? So, so the book of Romans, it's actually even known as the most systematic gospel. And it's not even a gospel, but theology. If you ever really wanted to study salvation and what it really is, study the book of Romans. As a matter of fact, um, through history, just so you'll know this, uh, many revivals, local revivals, took place when a pastor preached through the book of Romans. It's got such depths in it that can exalt Christ and lift up the believer. So all these things, uh, what we say these things, so this is just the things of life, the things that you're in right now. So what do you say about these things? And I'll tell you what we say about them a whole lot. We say, did you see the news? Yeah, man, we're in trouble. Yeah, well, that's, man, and then we talk about what's happening with Israel. 
And, 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 and there's some things that's all going on over there that, man, you just have to look at it and say, man, God's doing something. We don't know what it is, but you can see the hand of God. And we look at our world, we see our country right now, and, and uh, even right now, our religious freedoms, without any question, are being attacked. If you don't believe that, you watch what's going on right now in Indiana. I don't know if you know what's going on in Indiana or not, but just a simple law that's actually more protective of religion. Man, and they're coming down. I mean, I, if you will, the enemies of God are coming against that state with vehemence. And they're simply trying to preserve some freedoms. We need to pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for them. I don't even know who the governor is. I don't know anything about him, guys, so don't just shoot back, you know, don't shoot at me over this. But he said we're standing and not backing up. I saw that today, and I said, you go, boy. I have no idea anything about him, but we want to pray that God's... Uh, but no matter what happens, that does not change your position in Christ. That's where this, that's where this Scripture is. If, if all the world turn against us, which it will, it will. It's, it's prophecy. We're holding on as long as we can, but it's going to. You've got to come to a passage like this and say, okay, dig in, get excited, and, and though, though, though the world slay me, but Job said, though he slay me, yet still I'll trust him. Okay. So here's the first question. If God be for us, who can be against us? In verse 31, if I was you, I would take my... I would take a highlighter, I'd take a pen, I would take somehow, some way, and I would underline that, underline that and highlight that because here's the question. If God be for us, who can be against us? Now, now he, then He answers it, okay? Look at how He answers it. He that spareth not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? So here's the reasoning behind Paul. We're going to Easter. You, you guys got to get this. If God be for us, who can be against us? So here's the answer. If God would, not, would, would, would allow His own Son to die on a cross for us, then surely He would give us everything else. If God would give His Son, what's the rest of the universe? If God would give His Son, then don't you think He's going to take care of you? If God be for you, who can be against you? You know, when I was in high school, David opened this can of worms a few minutes ago, so I'm just going to walk right on through with him. <clears throat> I'm going to tell you something about David now. This is, I, and I can say this because I am an eyewitness, okay? Eyewitness. When we were in school, and, and, and now, there was four of us who kind of hung out together a, a whole lot. Uh, David and, and John Ottinger, Ricky Lunsford, and myself. Now, I want you to, please, just, don't, don't, just you got to follow me. When, when David was 16 years old, he was slick-haired and muscles just growing everywhere, and, and all the girls trembled at his feet, and he was athletic. And, and, and I, I'm being honest with you now, he was. He was. I remember one time, and, and I shouldn't say this, but I can, I can tell you this, because this, this relates, okay? This relates. I saw a boy one time just, just get mad at David and try to whoop David. And David just, just backed him off with one hand. I mean, he looked like Zorro. <laughs> Me standing there. John Ottinger, my neighbor. John had muscles, literally. I, 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 one, of the, one of the guys who had hit more home runs at Tuscola baseball than anybody else. And I, I was talking to him one day, and I said, man, you can really hit a ball. I said, Who's hit the farthest one you've ever seen? He said, John Ottinger. Straight away center field. He said, I've never seen one hit like that. John was a super athlete. And then we had Ricky Lunsford. And, and Ricky was six foot two in the seventh grade. 
I believe he was, David. He was 6'2", you know, weighed 240 pounds, and just got bigger. So, so there was the four, okay? This is like the four horsemen. Do you remember that? Do you, some of you need to confess your sins tonight. Do you remember the four horsemen wrestlers? Oh, yeah, I got some of you tonight. See, we was like the three and a half. There was those three and then me. 160 pounds of total terror. Slower than Christmas. You know, the girls walked by me to see David and John. That's just how it was. You know, just, just throwing it out there the way it was, okay? But I remember this, man. It was cool to be a part when you had a guy that was six up to here, John with muscles running out of his ears, David who could just, you know, I'm like, just bring it on. Just bring it on. Man, I got my three boys. I, I, I really mean that. I, I felt that way. Man, I'm, I'm the stuff. I've got, you know, if I got these guys with me, who could be against me? I grew up with a, my dad's, uh, always a big man, you know, strong man. I remember going in a, a gas station one time, and I, I've told this story before. I remember the guys was over here trying to deadlift some weights. And I remember that dad walked over to him, picked him up, put him up over his head, and then set him back down. All the guys were like, so that's just trying to get him off the ground. Dad put him up over his head. Bring it on. Got to go through him. Because I'm his boy. If God be for me, the God who sent his son, who loved me so much that he would give me his son's life, is he going to withhold anything from me? Is He going to withhold anything from me? I am His child of His love beyond all measure. Listen, child of God. You need to walk around. Hey, if God be for me, who can be against me? If the, if the Congress or the President or the Kings or the Warlords or the Neighbors or the Church Member or the Preacher or the Deacon, if anybody be against me, I've got God. In World War II, uh, Joe Lewis uh, made this statement. He, he said, uh, we, God's not on our side. We're going to be on God's side. Amen. And uh, you know what? That's what we're shooting for. Uh, and I want to be on God's side. And you just got to be reminded, hey, if God be for us, who can be against not, not even you get Not even Satan himself. Now, here's the thing you've got to answer. Has God proven that He's for us? Now, here, let me ask you this question. I read it this week, and I don't know how. It, this, this is how God just worked things out. If God be against us, who could be for us? Now you better listen to that. If God be against us, then who could be for us? Now, you need to know this right now. If you're living apart from Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I mean, you're living apart from Him as, as your Lord and Savior, then you're living against Him. And if you live against Him, it doesn't matter who's for you. God's wrath will be poured out on all the unbelievers. And that's what the Bible says. And, and, I'm tell, and, and I know you know this doctrine, but many of our churches have got away from the doctrine of hell. And the fact that unbelievers, non-followers of Christ are going there, and that Jesus said broad is the way that leads to destruction, and narrow is the way that leads to life eternal. 
Many are the ones who walk in it. And I really do believe that's many in our churches. That breaks my heart to know. We've got away from that doctrine. And if, but if God's against you, it doesn't matter who's for you or what role you're on or what you make. Or anything, and you know that. But listen, friend, you need to be praying that for your brothers and sisters in other places. Maybe they're not your brothers and sisters. Maybe they think they are. Maybe they're out right now. And I'll tell you, we've been studying at our church on Sunday night, Ephesians chapter 6. And the goal is to stand. Stand. And having done all to stand. For you wrestle not against flesh and blood, against powers and principalities. Stand. How many of you know that's not stood? How many do you know that's not stood? But I'll tell you something right now. It, it, it scares me. Now, you better follow me. It scares me to think that I'm going to be under the discipline or judging hand of God. I don't know if you've been there or not, but I'll tell you something. I don't want to be there. I don't like to be there. I don't like to be in a place where God's against me. And listen to me, child of God, if you're living out of His will, man, He dries you up, and you know what I'm talking about. You need to read the Psalms. David talked about He was dried. He said, make the bones that you have broken. Some of us live in that. Some of us have lived in that place or live in that place for years. But oh, you know that's the that's one of the great things about God. First John one nine says, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, tonight will be a good night to come back in and enjoy this. If God be for us, who can be against us? He didn't spare His Son. He's surely not. He's surely not going to spare anything else in the universe. That's what. The, nothing else will He spare. For his child. Well, then look at this, if you will. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God who justified. And then verse 34 says this Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Now, follow this. This is in the, the if you will, you're going to have to use your imagination. This is in the divine courtroom. This is the, this is the, this is the, the reference right here. And, and so in this courtroom, uh, if you will, you, you, the question is asked, who shall lay anything to the charge, or, or this, who can condemn God's children? Who can condemn? Who can make a, an accusation against God's children that will stick? Now, in this, if you've got to use it in courtroom, because the Bible says in Revelation chapter 12, that Satan is the accuser, verse 10. Accuses the brethren night and day before God. And then we find right here as well, we know that Jesus in the book of Hebrews is ever liveth to make intercession for us. And right here in verse 34, the Bible says, who also maketh intercession for us. So it's kind of like this. We know that there, we have an enemy who is always making accusations against us. Now, you, you're going to have to, even yourself. See, that? I really believe this is where this comes into play at right here. Who is he that condemns? Sometimes we live in such a way that our past... And the devil loves to throw that up to us. Hinders us from being free as a child of God in the present. And, and, we, and, and even in this passage, it's as if this, uh, Satan, our enemy, is always before God saying, you know that person there, that's a liar, that's an adulterer, that's a murderer, that's a, that's a thief, that's a worthless, uh, that's a no count. Why would you want to save that one? Look at him. And even in our own minds, sometimes our past is always haunting us. Now the Bible says we know that Paul, who's in Philippians chapter 3, 
he had such a struggle with his past. He had to say, forgetting all things which lies behind him, pressing forward. We know that this was a battle in Paul's life, that Satan was always throwing it up to Paul, that you were a murderer, you were a Christian killer, you were a Christian persecutor. And, all, and I know this as being a pastor through the years, I've had people that it's really hindered because they're afraid, what if they find out? What if they find out how bad I've been? What if they find out what I've done? I just, I, I mean, her, you know, just believe whatever you want to about me. I'm probably guilty of it. And if I didn't do it, I thought about doing it. And that's just, you know, and I know that's not really a popular thing to say, but let's just be honest here. The Bible says in the book of James, you broke one commandment, you're guilty. You broke them all. So we are all on the same place before the cross. Guilty. And so when Satan brings an accusation against us, you know what I have to say? That's me. That's me. And you know what the, can I use this term, can I use these words? You know what the coolest part about this is? The Bible says that Jesus is always making intercession for us. So, so here's the accuser, Satan. He's acting like the prosecutor. And here's our defense attorney, Jesus, who is going to before the judge for us. And every time Satan throws up an accusation against one of God's children, Jesus is sitting there, standing there, if you will, before God, saying, if that was on me, if that was on me, if that was on me, that sense has been served. That sense has been served. Clear, clear, clean, clean, clear. See, see, every time Satan throws something up at you, our defense has paid for every single bit. Who is he that can condemn one of God's children? And the Bible says right here, Christ that died, Christ is the only one who has the right to condemn and when we come to Him in faith, we come to Him in, in humble, in humble recognition of who He is. He saves us and changes us. So, when Satan, you know, when he said, throws something up at you, in you, you know what he say? Yeah, that's, that's right. The Bible says in Romans 8, verse 1, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You know, the problem, though, is this. My wife and I have been talking about this a whole lot here lately. Our, our, we, we, now listen to, can I, let me just, let me preach to you for just a second, in love. We have a real problem with remembering other people's past. This hinders the church. Because we look at each other and say, you know, that's the person who used to be. Instead of saying, that's my sister, that's my brother. Hey, listen, if Christ Jesus puts our past in the past, who are we to bring it out? That's none of our business. That's under the blood. And the Satan himself can't even bring that before God. That's under the blood. The Bible says he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So when God looks at me or God looks at you, he sees the blood and he sees the cleaning and the cleansing power of Christ. Who can condemn the child of God? No one. Not even Satan himself and not even you. We don't have that right or that power. If God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, who can condemn us? No one, nowhere. Hey, now listen, you better follow that for just a second then. Your uh, life in the past may have just been hindering you right now. And it may be that you, it may be somebody else, it may be a, you may have been a victim. I don't know. I really don't know. 
But I know that Satan will use every dart in his arsenal to keep the child of God from enjoying being the child of God and being excited about Christ. If you're not excited about Christ, I'll just tell you something, there's something spiritually wrong. There's something spiritually wrong. I don't know what it is. It means you're not close enough. It means you're sinning away. Because you get near Christ, something's going to happen. Okay, It has to happen. It just... He has to. Every time somebody got near Christ in the Bible, something happened. Every, they, either, they either was afraid, they either fell on their face in worship, or they was mad. I mean, just look at Palm Sunday. That's what today is, Palm Sunday. Jesus rode a donkey, and people either praised Him, or the Pharisees was hating Him. But you know what? I thought Jesus on a donkey caused a worship, just spontaneous worship. He just exploded. I told our church this morning, you know, the, the wedding of Prince William and Kate. Cost $34 million. Fanfare, trumpets, parades, big horses, big cars, the whole world watching. Jesus riding on a donkey. Just tore, People couldn't help but praise Him. Listen, when Jesus reveals Himself, something will happen. And if we get close enough, He reveals Himself. Sin, pride, past, all these things get in the way. Satan loves to throw them at us. He loves to accuse us, but he cannot condemn us because Christ has declared us innocent, free. We know we're guilty, but he paid the price. Thank God. Who shall lay anything against God's children? So, God before you, who can be against you? God has declared you innocent. God's declared you free. God's declared you righteous. No one can, can, no one can condemn you or call you guilty. And lastly, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now here's the way it has to read. If God be for us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now I tell you, this is what was going on in the Christian church in Rome and all over the place in Paul's time. They were going through persecutions. They were going through trials. They were going through hard times. And so some of them was asking this question. If God loves me, then why am I going hungry? If God loves me, why am I being put in prison? If God loves me, why is the church not growing? If God loves me, why is this not? Why, if God loves me, if, if, if. Now, don't tell me we don't do that. Man, we, I'll just be honest with you. I, I am, uh, I'm a little, and I hate to use this term, and I'm not making fun of it, but, uh, man, I'm moody. I, I am, I'm an emotional basket case about half the time. I just want you to know that. I come home from church and I'm either revved up or I'm ready to quit. I'm being honest, you know. And so, good day, bad day. I mean, I'm just... I mean, And I know that's not the best way to be, okay? But I'm just going to be honest with you that I really struggle sometimes with just my feelings, okay? And that's the reason Scripture is so important. I have to come to Scripture. And then Scripture helps me to settle down and see what the truth of God's Word is, and then to rest in Christ. This is those passages that do that for me. And sometimes I'm like, man, if you love me, why in the world? Why ain't this happening? Why ain't this? Paul has to write something right here to remind us just exactly how far God's love surrounds us. So if you will, here's, your, here's you as the Christian. And Paul draws the bubble around you. To let you see how, how, how far, what it would take to get outside the love of Christ. And he covers everything that you can, everything that I can think of, okay? Every, every area we find that nothing is going to get through God's love to push you out of it. 
And, and right here, it doesn't matter what. You can name the, you can look at the list right here. And, and there's, there's all kinds of things. It's tribulation, verse 35. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. Many believe that this verse right here is a progressive verse. That one thing led to the next, to the next, to the next. As they went through pressure, they went through distress, persecution, famine. These things were progressing as the heat was turned up. Well, I'm going to tell you something now. You better, you better follow this. There is, and I'm not a prophet now, or the son of a prophet, as the Bible says in the Old Testament about Amos. But anybody with a lick of sense right now can look at our country and look at our world and say, well, Christians are going, some American Christians are very likely to fix to be under extreme persecution. And they're going to hit us, you know where they're going, and, I, I, and I'm not being a prophet, but let me just tell you, they're going to hit us in finances. Because that's where it's, that's where, you watch and see now. You just, you mark that down. I'm telling you tonight that one of the ways Satan is going to attack the church in America is going to hit the pocketbook. Right. Going to try to attack the freedom if we try to make a stand. That's what, because it's already happening, see. All you're trying to make, so, and, and when you get attacked there, then all these other, then everything else starts happening. And, and you know what Christians do? Now, now follow me. They compromise. And when someone doesn't compromise, the heat gets turned up a little bit more, and a little bit more, and a little bit more, and a little bit more. And it, and it keeps getting turned up. And, and listen, God, Christ you did not die just so you'd have a happy life on this side. We, we've really lost that. And, and I deal with that because I'm an emotional person, okay? I'm a very emotional person, so I deal with that. He died so that I could be right with God, not so that I could be happy here. You got me? Now that goes together, but as my body is being tortured or burned, I can still know Christ loves me, and I can still say I have the abundant life. I can still say that I've not been separated from the love of Christ. Because the Bible even says right here in Romans chapter 8, as a matter of fact, in verse 18, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. As a matter of fact, Paul was one of the few Christians that, who recorded some, some of the things he had went through in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He just went through this whole list, stoned and persecuted and whipped and beat and shipwrecked and hungry and, and all these things. And yet right here in this very same passage, he says this in verse 37, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. We've got to get our perspective right, don't we? That's right. Amen. Sometimes we get it, we're so... Tune in, and, and I know you've heard some of this before, but let me just say this. I am so tuned in to what's going on on this side that I forget that I'm actually living for the next. And no matter what happens now, I have to, be a, I have to keep it in my mind's eye that I'm living for glory and not for gain, not for happiness, and not for some of the temporal things on this side. And... Uh, well, when I can do that, that helps me. It helps me deal with myself, okay? It helps me deal with what's going on around us. It helps me deal with my church situation. It helps me deal with, with the, the world situation. No. Look at this. The Bible in verse 37 even says this. We are more than conquerors. The word literally, and I'm sure you've studied it. It literally it means, uh, the, the, the little Greek word is hyper-conquer. Uh, it would be, uh, uh, some of you guys are NASCAR people. Anybody? I, any of you in here NASCAR people? Or are you just, you're not even Southern. How many of you, you know, okay? 
I'm preaching to a bunch of people from New York tonight. I didn't know that. Okay. This is not winning a race by a lap. This would be winning a race by ten laps. And Paul says this, we are hyper-conquerors. I mean, it's not even close. That's how much we've got it in Christ when we uh, recognize and know the love of Christ. It doesn't matter what's happening here. We know that He loves us. And, and this is what Paul says, for I'm persuaded. It's almost like he waited, I'm persuaded. Death nor life, angels, principalities, powers, things present, things to come, height, depth, any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, keep it in mind this. No matter what comes our way, no matter what comes our way, I know that I am loved. And you know we have to keep in mind the Scriptures. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. All through the Word of God we find we're living, thank God, not for this place. So, as we live here in this world, and it flies all two pieces, and the world comes against us, if God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, who can condemn us? Even though we're as guilty as we can be, who can condemn us? It doesn't matter what so-and-so says, Christ has set you free. You serve Him. You live for Him. And you just walk off and leave your past and serve Him with, with joy in your heart and joy about what's to come. And then you've got to remember this, Christian. I don't know what you're going through. Now, I'm telling you, I do not know what you're going through. But I'm going to tell you, the Bible says in 2 Timothy that the godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. We don't, want to, we don't like that. We do not like that. And we want to live happy, happy, joy, happy, happy, happy. And I do too. But if that's your testimony, without any persecution, you're making the Word of God a lie. Yeah, you are. Because it is not possible for a child of God to live in an ungodly world and not pay a price. You know what that means? That means we need to get a little closer to it, don't we? A little get a little closer. And when you start going through the heat, and Satan turns the screws up on you. You cannot forget, or life does, or life itself does, because we're living here. You cannot forget, He loves me, He loves me, He loves me, this I know. And He showed you that, didn't He? 2,000 years ago. And we celebrate this week, this Friday, Good Friday, the Passover, all the Passover lambs was killed, Jesus presented Himself, that day was the day. He proved His love for you. Now, you've got to live in it. Listen to me. I don't know what's going on in your life. Now, I don't. I'm, I'm going to tell you, this is, let I me mean, just share this with me. Sometimes it just gets really discouraging. I'm just, it just gets hard. Um, things ain't going the way we want them to. Um, maybe in my own life or yours, I mean, I'm just, I'm just, let me just talk with you. Let me just share my heart. Things ain't going the way we want them to. Really struggling. I mean, man, you're, you're, you're in the sights of the enemy. Temptations. Just fly. Because I'm going to tell you something. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. One of the things that's going on in our church right now, this is a praise to God, a praise to God. A group of people have got together in our church and said, man, we're going to go after him. We're going after Jesus. We're going after Jesus. And they've, they've committed together to pray. And actually, we've got people that 
that have been fasting six days. One day, somebody's taking a day each day of the week just to get to know God. I mean, really trying to come to know Him. And, and God's responded to that. Okay, God has responded to that in a major way. We had some great worship service. I mean, God's just been in. But at the same time, and I warned him, I said, look, you try to get close to Jesus, you're not going to just do it without Satan just trying to mow you down. The enemy's going to come in. The enemy's going to attack. Maybe he's just attacking you. Maybe, I mean, you're in the radar and he's just after you. I've been there. Okay, I've been there. I know what it's like. Discouragement, despair, temptation, all the things. But no matter what is going on with you, if God be for you, who can be against you? If God be for you, no one on this earth can condemn you, and not even Satan himself, and not even you, if Christ has declared you free. Amen. And if God be for you, no matter what you go through here, He still loves you. Now listen. I don't know how it's going to hit you. All I know is this. When I know I'm on God's side, when I know He's declared me free, and when I know that He loves me, it makes me want to serve Him more. It makes me want to serve Him closer. It makes me want to get closer. It makes me want to know Him more. It makes me want to be in His presence. It makes me want to know more about this great God the Bible teaches me about. And it makes me then want to lay aside all the sin so that I can get closer to the Savior. Maybe tonight, that's you. Would you bow your heads? Brother Dave, I don't know how, you just need to come through. I don't know your musicians or anything, Brother Dave, but you just come on up here and, and I don't you bow your heads tonight. And, and, and the reason I ask you that is this. You just, man, you've got to allow the Lord to deal with you. And I don't, listen, if you know, you know in your heart where you are. You know if there's a sin that you're just hanging on to. You know what's going on. You know that you may not even know it. You know. You've got to respond. You've got to respond. You've got to answer that pull from the Holy Spirit of God. And I can't do it for you, and David can't do it for you, and man, we try to make it easy, and, all, and it ain't. It ain't going to be easy no matter what you do, okay? I just want you to know that. But I love you. I am so thankful for you. Let God set you free, turn you loose so that you can serve Jesus with a passion and fire revved up and excited about Jesus. Brother David. Amen. You stand and already be making your way to the altar as Colton begins to play and they, and they sing. You come. You come. Make your way. Amen. God's already spoke to your heart. That's right. Amen. Amen. Come on. Yes. Obey the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. Sun's already come. You come. In a courtroom oh. sits God Almighty yeah. as a judge right. upon his throne. Stay. 
stands before the King with his list of accusations. All my sin he tries to bring as he pours accusing fingers to where I stand before the throne then a voice behind me whispers child I'm here you're not alone that's my Savior my interceder and he's standing in my place as he stands before the Father he speaks one word and it is grace that's my child Forgive